I have been blessed by you. You are a missionary church. And that's what all churches should be. Because that's what God is. You know, he only had one son and he sent him to be a missionary to the planet Earth, didn't he? Oh, I know some ladies that have prayed for missionaries and worked with missionaries and done many things. And then one of their children surrendered to missions and they got very scared. Very scared. And it is a scary thing. But God has a plan, doesn't He? We saw it last night. God's plan. Well, it's God's plan for the ages. It's not just for last night. It's God's plan for you and for me. It's God's plan for Grace Baptist. It's God's plan for the Duartes, for the Shores. It's God's plan that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, if you move about 300 or so years, a few hundred years on down the line, pick it up with Moses now. Israel is in Egypt, in slavery. And now God calls Moses. And He calls the people of Israel. And He calls them out of slavery. Out of slavery and, interesting, what happened to you and I. We were called out of slavery, weren't we? Cruel master that we had. A cruel master that would lie to us and deceive us and tell us that his service was going to be a reward to us. And every time it blows up in our face. And we were through the waters, called out of slavery. God did a wonderful thing. Well, he brought them to Sinai, and he gave them a covenant. Now, we need to look at that in Exodus 19. The covenant that God made with Israel. And it's a long passage, so I haven't put it up on a slide for you, because I want you to read it along with me. Now, we'll pause in a few spots along the way. But God's Word is what we'll see tonight. And he puts it as a historical moment in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. On the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. Before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, you see there's a reason for it, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, Go back to verse 5 and look at that. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You see, a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is a one-way deal. 
If you enter into a covenant with God, you don't have a thing to say. You can't negotiate it. It's what He says. You can either say yes or no. That's all you can do. It's a non-negotiable deal with God. A covenant is a one-sided. It's not a negotiated treaty. It's a one-sided deal. And God puts forth the conditions. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then... Now, let me tell you a little bit about obedience. In China, it is estimated by some... I first heard 11,000. And now, in today's China, there are 20,000 people every day come to Christ. 20,000 people a day. There is a church planting movement that is uncontrollable by the Chinese government, uncontrollable by missionaries. Missionaries have participated in it, and, and it's Chinese going after Chinese people. It is a groundswell. I got to talk with one of the missionaries that was involved in one, one of those church planting movements. These are movements of God. Yes, he uses some missionaries and some nationals, but it's a movement that goes far beyond anything that any human being could be involved in. It's a movement of God. Amazing. And I asked him, what are the characteristics of this? He said, the only one I can think of is radical obedience. Radical obedience. Oh, I don't know about you, but conviction fell upon me. I so many times want to put forth my conditions upon service to the King. I so many times want to tell Him, but Lord, you know I have limitations on what I can do. I so many times want to enter into a negotiation. Say, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Isn't that a silly question? He knows you better than you do, don't, doesn't he? Doesn't he know your capabilities? Would he ask you to do something you can't do? No. It's only Satan's offer that will take you farther than you want to go and keep you there longer than you ever wanted to stay and give you results that are more horrible than you could have dreamed of. Not God's prodding. When God gives you a plan, He provides all of the resources necessary. He has given to us from His wealth of resources in heaven, and He has held back nothing. Oh, my faith has been convicted. Radical obedience. He said, I was meeting with a group of, of church planters. These are Chinese laymen. And they disciple them on how to plant a church. 
And there was a lady there that said, raised her hand and said, I think I'm called, I've forgotten the name of the people group, but there are many different people groups in China. And I feel called to that people group. Oh, how wonderful, this missionary said. We'll pray for you. Thank you so much. Isn't that wonderful? And the crowd said, Amen. She sat down. He went on with his teaching. And they had traveled quite a distance to come, so they spent the night there. He went to bed and got up for breakfast the next morning. And he says, where's the lady? Pastor, didn't you hear last night? She felt called to this people group. Yes, that's why I wanted to talk with her today and see if we could make plans and preparations and see what needed to be done. said, Pastor, after you went to bed, we took up an offering and took her to the bus station. She's with her people. Radical obedience. Do you tolerate delayed obedience in your children? Or do you expect... Obedience now. Delayed obedience is disobedience, is it not? 20,000 people a day. If you will obey, says God, and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You see, the whole earth is mine. All the nations of the earth. He's reiterating that. But he's saying, you'll be a special people to me. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now, what is this? There are two great traditions in the Old Testament. The priestly tradition, the prophetic tradition. We emphasize the prophetic tradition. That's what I'm doing now, is speaking forth the Word of God. Speaking forth the prophetic tradition. The prophetic tradition has a downward arrow. It's God's Word coming to us. Now, the priestly tradition is a different one. The priestly tradition is one of the people who brings people up to God. The priest is one who makes a sacrifice that enables the person to connect with God. That is, enables the person to find forgiveness and establish that relationship. And we know very little of the priestly aspect in our work. Now, I would propose to you to learn more of this. Because the prophetic tradition calls for a giftedness and a preparation like pastors, Bible school, preparation. The priestly tradition is one of the people who makes a sacrifice so that others can come to Christ, can come to God through Christ by means of that sacrifice. Now, he's calling us to be a holy nation. A holy nation. A kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. Now let that sink in.
Let that sink in, and let's read on just a bit. So Moses came, verse 7, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all of these words. And the Lord commanded him. Then all of the people, uh, or as the Lord commanded him, then all of these people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. They said yes. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in, the thick, in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the, to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Go, consecrate yourselves. Now, consider those words for yourself here tonight. Not just these missionaries that have visas and preparations to go. I'm speaking to each one of us that I would consecrate myself. That you would consecrate yourself. Dedicate yourself to the radical obedience. That you would establish that covenant with God tonight of radical obedience. Now, put a finger in Exodus 19 and turn over to the New Testament. Turn over way to the end of the New Testament. If you get to Revelation, turn left and come back. Come back to 1 Peter. Look at chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Keep Exodus 19 going there. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at verse 9. The Apostle Peter, that impetuous Peter, that could discern God's will, that could discern, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And a few moments later would say, No, 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 the cross, no, 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 Jerusalem, no. And Jesus had to rebuke him and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter that was the leader. Peter that stood and 3,000 were converted that first sermon he preached. 3,000 baptized believers. Men. We don't know how many women and children. Wow. Peter that pastored that church. Peter that went to Caesarea and established a ministry there. Peter that had the keys to the kingdom and opened it to the Jews at Pentecost, opened it to the Gentiles with Cornelius. He used those keys. Keys unlock the door. They don't lock people out. 
To unlock the door for people to come in. That's what a key is for. Peter, we don't know. Tradition says he died in Rome. We don't know all the circumstances of this letter. But listen to what he says in verse 9. As he talks to people like you and I. And he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now this is New Testament. This is New Testament. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You see, God never changes His plan, does He? Now, there are sacrifices for you to make that will enable lost people, sinners, to make it right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of worship. The sacrifice of witness. The sacrifice of being salt and light. The sacrifice of being a missionary to this community, to this state. I like it you've got Iowa's flag on the wall. Oh, we need to win Iowa in the United States. As well as Uruguay, Scotland. Oh, those Scottish preachers. My, my, my. How we need to win the world to Christ. Sacrifices that you will make. Sacrifices that you will make. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. His own special people. That's us. His own special people. He has no other plan than you and I. We're it. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I got to pray for these missionaries this afternoon, and the Lord just impressed upon me that they need to shine in in the darkness. Both of these that are here come from countries filled with darkness, spiritual darkness, how they can shine. And light up the world with the light of the world. Now, how about you and I? The same thing that we light up the world with the marvelous light. Verse 10. Who once were not a people. That's you and I, isn't it? We weren't a people, were we? Lost as could be. Yes. We shared our testimonies tonight. Yes. Who were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Isn't it wonderful to have mercy? The mercy of God. Oh, He's a merciful God, and I'm so thankful. Because if He ever gave me what I deserved. Beloved, listen to Peter. The pastor calls you beloved. He says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. What's he talking about? 
Talking about your witness, isn't he? At work, we talked about that. At school, in the community. He begs you. He begs you to abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they uh, speak against you as evildoers, that you, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, you and I as Baptists tend to downplay good works. Peter doesn't, and nor does the Bible. Good works will never save us. But Ephesians tells us that we have been set aside for good works. Not because of good works, but for good works. I'm saved by grace for works. Yes. And so we need to see the value of good works. Now, I was visiting with Pastor. And I had, when I went to the field initially... I used to look at missionaries that were doing good, the do-gooders. And I used to downplay that. I said, no, 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 no. The way to go is knock on doors, track, and they've got to be a good Bible passage track, good solid stuff. Draw the net. Draw the net. Don't just give a good word for Jesus. Draw the net. Evangelism. Well... In some places, that's a wonderful, wonderfully effective thing. In today's America, that doesn't work too well. Now, that's just the change in our culture. You know what works wonderfully in today's culture? Good works. Now, am I watering down the gospel? No, not in the least. Not in the least. What I'm talking about is gain a hearing for the gospel. Look at what Peter says here. This is New Testament Christianity by Peter himself. Look at this. How he says that we should do this. Verse 12. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. That they glorify God. That they recognize that you did it because God is the one that sent you to demonstrate His love. You know, and I've forgotten who said it, but it was a great and mighty uh, evangelist that said, Witness, always, use words if you have to. What did Jesus himself say? By their fruits you shall know them. Oh, brothers, sisters. Let us open ourselves to good works, to gain the hearing for the gospel. Let us find ways of doing good works in this community. Brother Duarte, 
Brother Shaw, good works in a secular society, in a dog-eat-dog world, where the competition is dragging other people down. Good works stand out and people say, what's that for? And there's no end to the things you can do. Cut your neighbor's lawn. Go to the gas station. Give the gas attendant five bucks and say, the next guy comes in and gets a $5 discount. Tell him God loves him. He's got a $5 discount. Is that a good investment of five bucks for the Lord? What? God loves me. Who are you? I don't know. Somebody just gave me the five bucks, man. It's not me. Somebody gave me the five bucks. Who was it? I don't know. Some guy said, tell him God loves him. Wow. Okay. He's thinking about God's love. There is no limit to the things you can do to win people to Christ. Brother Duarte, abundant gospel sowing precedes abundant gospel harvest. You sowed the word, my brother. Don't despair. His promise is it won't return to him void. That's his promise. You don't know when or where. We have the opportunity of doing good works. Now, I know that it's hard for me. You know, I consider myself the Marine Corps for evangelism. You know, we've got to get out there. And the results in today's world have been so limited. Now, there are times, we talked about this this afternoon, there are times when, when that approach, every now and then you'll run into somebody that the Holy Spirit is prepared for that, and the Holy Spirit has that person right there. I told Pastor we were doing an evangelism conference, and we were sending people out two by two. And uh, one of the teachers went out with another one of the people and knocked on the door, and the lady was sitting there all by herself, halfway in tears. They made a gospel presentation before, she, before they could finish. She said, yes. He said, I'm just thankful the Mormons didn't come by before we got there, because tonight she'd be a Mormon. <laughs> she was just ready. So as you walk under a tree, you know, keep your basket up, because fruit may fall. But as far as effective evangelism, that's not going to do it in today's world. Now, that may seem like heresy to you, but I invite you to look at Bible. By your good works, they will glorify God. I'm not asking you to believe me as far as methodology. I'm asking you to trust God and His Word. You may, may have been raised like I was. Draw the net! Now, there's a time and a place for that, obviously. 
And I hope to do some of that tonight. that they may glorify you, glorify God by your good works. Look at uh, verse 13. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or the governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Submit yourselves, and you realize that the uh, profession of faith in New Testament times was Jesus is Lord. And the Roman soldier that was standing by and heard it said, No, 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 no. Caesar is Lord. And the Christian would answer, Caesar may be your Lord, but Jesus is my Lord. No, son, you can't say that. This is the Roman Empire. You can't say that. Now retract that. Because Caesar is Lord. No, Jesus is Lord. Caesar is Lord. No, Jesus is Lord. They died for that. But here Peter says, Submit to those that are there for order, law and order. Submit to that. Be exemplary citizens. But never deny Christ. Never deny Christ. Well, there's the New Testament nation of priests, a royal nation. Go back to Exodus 19. Let's see how the story unfolded. Because it goes on, the rest of the chapter is an amazing thing. They were sent to prepare themselves, to consecrate themselves. And he told them in verse 11, let them be ready. Now in verse 12, he says, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base, Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him. But he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast, and shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes, and they... As he had said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud. So all the people were there in in the camp trembled. Now, I don't know what kind of trumpet it was. I don't know whether it was a heavenly angel. We're not told of any man blowing the trumpet. I'm not, I'm not sure it wasn't part of, of a volcanic eruption. I'm not sure what it was. But the people heard the trumpet. And they knew to assemble. And it was a holy assemble, assembly. Because God had a job He wanted His people to do. 
Grace Baptist. I don't know if you see it. This is a holy assembly. God has a job for you. A job for you. And He's calling us to a holy assembly. To consecrate ourselves. To consecrate these these missionaries. To ourselves, to become missionaries ourselves. He's calling us. And Moses brought the people, verse 17, out of the camp to meet with God. That's what we need to do here tonight. Now, this is a wonderful meeting, and it's wonderful to be in the company of missionaries and to talk about missions. But if we don't meet with God here tonight, oh, we've wasted His time. His time. To meet with God. It's all about Him, isn't it? It's all about Him. Isn't it a privilege for us to be able to serve Him? Doesn't doesn't it give meaning to our life that we serve the living God, the Creator of heaven and earth? Oh, what a thrill it is to serve Him, to meet with Him. He brought the people. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked terribly and greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Now you see, the problem was that they wanted, they would want not to obey God and what He had told them to do, but that they would tarry in this worship experience and do nothing more than enjoy His presence. Oh, what a tragedy! Worship. The king comes down on the mountain. We worship. That's what enables us to serve. That's why he does it. Not for your enjoyment. It's to give you the power with which to serve. This is a missionary conference that not only enables these missionaries and empowers them, but enables these missionaries, all of us here, and empowers us for the service that we must give because He has given His all. It's the service that we have to give Him. Oh, worship is so necessary. So necessary. But it's not to be for our enjoyment. Lest they break through. So he went down to warn them. Verse 22, and he says, And let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Now, 
Peter said, we're a kingdom of priests. Let the priests consecrate themselves. Lest the Lord break out against us. Let us consecrate ourselves to the service that He calls us to. And it starts right here at Sheridan. And it goes to Uruguay, Scotland, Brazil, South Africa, around the world, to all the nations of the earth. But it involves your and my service right here as well. Some of you, it started when you were a young person in church. And you heard a missionary and you said, I want to be a missionary. Never happened in your life. You're retired now. You dedicated your life to something else. Is God through? Maybe not. Maybe now in your retirement, the dream will come true. God doesn't change His mind. I don't know what stage of life you're in. I don't know how far along you are. But I know that God calls us to consecrate ourselves. Now we are to lead the people. The priests were to be out front and lead the people, but keeping the proper position to where they could be used by God. And Peter says we're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Yes. And he goes on and says in verse 23, But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount, Mount Sinai. For you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. And then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests or the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. Now, what will come as a result of the consecration that we go through here tonight? All the earth is mine, says the Lord, but you are a kingdom of priests. You will make sacrifices so that others can hear that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. They can find forgiveness, the forgiveness that God has provided because of your sacrifice. He calls us to be a holy nation, if you obey and keep my covenant, then, then, would you bow your heads in prayer? And I invite you to consecrate yourself tonight.
There are those of you that have thought of missions many, many times. Tonight, you don't know when, how, but is there the need in your heart to consecrate yourself? And you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to consecrate myself to the task that God has for me. If you raise your hand, slip up your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 sir. Slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Pray tonight for yourself in first, in first place. For others that are considering this. How will I become a missionary right here? How will I accept the challenge of being a missionary right here? How will I start now? These missionaries know that they don't wait to arrive to the field to be missionaries. They've already started. They are missionaries. They serve the living God. You and I can do the same. Are there any others that need a prayer of consecration? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Any others? Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Any others? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Consecrate yourself. Bring your life before the Lord and say, Here I am. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Would you stand? I'm old-fashioned and I like to kneel, and you don't have to kneel. You don't have to kneel.